and welcome to episode 45 of the Cinefessions podcast. I'm one of your hosts. My name's Brandon Shawin. And joining me tonight, we have Ash Collins and Mark Nadu. Ash, how are you tonight? Doing pretty good. Excellent. And how about you, Mark? How are things? Good. Just having some coffee. <laughs> it it uh, tastes kind of tastes kind of funny. <laughs> I, oh, I feel better now. Oh, thank God for you. Thank you for queuing that up. Oh, a little messy though. <laughs> oh goodness! It's in my keyboard. Yeah. It's all on my keyboard. At least it ain't in somebody else's mouth. Oh, oh man, that's, that's erotic, right? <laughs> God. All right. So today we are here to talk about and to end our Tarantino thon, talking about The Hateful Eight, Tarantino's most recent and as of now, his last film. And also finishing up our discussion of Black Mirror. This is season three, episode, well, all, whatever it is. It's the only episode in this season. And that one is entitled White Christmas. So from here, we are finishing our Tarantino thon, which means next week. We are coming at you with something completely different, and we are really excited about it. So, there are movies, and we all know them. We all have some films that we feel are just underrated. Films that are not talked about nearly enough. Films that didn't gross enough at the box office. Films that don't have a high enough IMDb score, Metacritic score. Films that just are not loved the way that we feel they should be loved. The way that we feel they deserve to be loved. And so, our next podcast arc is the criminally underrated arc. So each of us have chosen two films, and one is one that we will be definitely reviewing on the podcast, and the other is going into a poll. And so out of the three extra films, that's where you, the listener, come into play. So on Cinefessions.com, you can go on there and vote for whichever film you think would be the best film to conclude the criminally underrated arc. So, next week we'll be talking about my pick, and I chose One Hour Photo, the Robin Williams film. And then, my second pick was Zodiac. And so, on the poll, there will be Zodiac, along with Mark's option. Mark chose, uh, well, let's talk about Ash's option first, because that'll be week two, I believe. Okay. Am I right? Mm Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, (laughs) we just talked about this, and I've already forgotten. That's how life goes. And so, Ash chose perfect blue to talk about and his pick going on to the poll is rock and rule now they're both animated films uh perfect blues from the 90s and rock and rules from the 80s and actually if you check out cinefessions.com you can actually find a few of ash's comments on both of these films because he talked about it last year during our uh animation special during may of last year uh and so these are both films i'm really excited to talk about and so i'd be happy if uh rock and rule won the poll just as if i'd be happy if zodiac won and also another great option And these are Mark's picks. The third week, we are talking about My Science Project, another 80s film. And the picture that's going on the poll is The Last Starfighter. Pew, pew. Yeah. I think these are excellent options, and I'm really excited about this upcoming arc here. So, again, the next three films that we're definitely talking about, One Hour Photo, Perfect Blue, and My Science Project. And then the fourth film, which will be episode 49. The fourth film is up to you guys to pick. And so if you go to Cinefessions.com, you can find a poll right on the side of the website, hopefully, is where I will be placing that. And in that poll, you have to choose one film, either Zodiac, The Last Starfighter, or Rock and Rule. And whichever film you guys tell us, that's the film that we are going to watch and review in that fourth episode, which will be our 49th episode. And then episode 50, 
a big milestone for us. So we're really excited about. We're hoping to do something a little different, um, but we will discuss that a little clo- a little more once we get closer to it and see if it's actually a possibility what we're hoping to do. So I'm excited about it. Hopefully the listeners, hopefully you guys are excited about it. Mark and Ash, I know you guys are just as excited as I am. So it should be a really good arc. It should be really fun to talk about these films. Yeah, very excited. Should be fun. Yes, definitely. All right. But before we do that, we have to finish the business at hand. And actually, I'm lying because we're not going to talk about the film just yet. Mark, do anything fun this past week in the world of media? Uh, not really, no. Uh, since our last <laughs> recording session, I've been working like a dog. Yeah. Um, so I just got off this morning. I was able to catch one film on the Netflix Canada. Um, <laughs> it's called The Experimenter. Okay. Um, it's uh, directed by Michael Almerida, and it's about uh, Stanley Milgram who designed uh, psychological experiments uh, at uh, his university um, about um, about the control over one person. If you tell someone to do it, to do something, even though that action might hurt someone, will that person actually do that action or not? Um, again, I'm just, you know, skimming the surface of it. Yeah. Um, it's got uh, Peter Sarsgaard. It's got Winona Ryder in it. Oh, um wow. It was filmed in an interesting way. It felt more like a stage play uh, than an actual, than a, than a regular film. Mm-hmm. Just the way that uh, they had some scenes where, you know, they had uh, scenarios where instead of like an actual set, it was just like a pictured background and just some chairs like on a stage. And Peter Sarsgaard would actually break the fourth wall and talk to the viewer. <laughs> so it, it was interesting. Um not really a film I was in a mood to watch at the time, but okay. I was supposed to see it in the theaters, and I missed the uh, the showing because it only aired, it played a few times at the Mayfair. So uh, it showed up on um, on Netflix, and uh, it was actually good. But if I had to describe a mood to be in to uh, to watch this film, would be if you had to write a report on the character and you didn't want to read a book, you would watch this movie. <laughs> So okay. It, so it's like it's like a biopic. Yeah. Uh, no thrills. Interesting. But if it wasn't for me wanting to see it previously, just because I was playing at the theater, I wouldn't have watched it. Yeah. It, does that make sense? You know. Yeah, so. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's pretty much all I watched. Um. What else did I do? Yeah. I started season six of Weeds. I got an episode in. Okay. And that's pretty much it. Nothing <laughs> else. Yeah. It was a pretty little week media wise. Yeah. It happens. Yeah. Mine was, uh, so I watched a movie that wasn't for the podcast, so that doesn't Ooh. happen all the time. So there was that. Which one was uh, that? I watched Poltergeist, the remake. Oh, I still haven't seen that yet. Okay. Yeah. You know, I am, I don't like the original Poltergeist. At, I mean. <laughs> I, almost, totally I, almost, at I almost choked my coffee. <laughs> did, you, did you just say that you do not like the original Poltergeist? Yeah. I just, I don't know. I just find it boring and goofy and. I just don't like it for many reasons. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! I hope they. I hope that actually picks up. I hope we the listeners can hear that because I love that you have a sound cue queued up now. It makes me I so re- happy. Really hope so too. <laughs> <laughs> we need a laugh track so people know when to laugh too. <laughs> well, every time I speak, they should. <laughs> but yeah, and so this the remake was. A little less mediocre than the original, um, and, and better, I'd say a little better than the original. Um, I don't, I mean, 
I, it's still not a great film. I just don't like the story, I guess, behind it. Um, but frankly, the, the story is kind of even lesser in this one. And they kind of poke fun at the original at one point. I don't know. It's, oh, really? it's odd, but uh, you know, it's definitely, it's a film I bought and I kind of wish I didn't. Yeah, I bought, I, I bought it for cheap as well. And yeah. I, I'm hit and miss with like remakes. You know, mm-hmm. I, I actually like the, the Total Recall remake. Okay. Not more than the original, but since it kind of diverged from the actual storyline of the original and made it its own and just used the names and places, I was okay with that. Um, and I'm a big Robocop fan. I still haven't watched the Robocop remake. Really? I loved it. I love Robocop, but I love the remake. And Ash, I think you really like the remake too, right? Oh, do we lose Ash? Sorry, oh, I, 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 muted no, I, I muted myself because my dog was barking. No, you're fine. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I actually love the uh, remake for Robocop. It was, yeah. I, I didn't think it was as good, but right. it was just as interesting. They ta- they tackled very, they took very different approaches to the exact same subject. Exactly. exactly. And, and they're both very different films. Right. Um, and, and you know, like one is like almost an eighty satire on violence in the media, and the other one actually deals with you know what would happen to somebody who actually had the stripped away. So you know, it was it was pretty good. I liked it. Yeah, you should definitely. I'm definitely be interested to hear your thoughts on it when you if you get around to watching it. Yeah, sometime soon, I guess. You know, I bought it for a reason, but right. uh, there's just so much stuff to watch. It's hard to pick something these oh, days. Yeah, I hear you. I end up not watching it. I just have so much. I'm just like, fuck it. I'm just putting on FIFA again. That's <laughs> the way it's been going lately. Well, but, I haven't played any video games in the last, well, shit, almost month just because, apart from my like Nintendo DS, yeah. because I just don't have, I haven't been sitting down in front of the TV, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, I also watched um, NXT TakeOver Dallas, which mm. you're right. It's definitely, it was, <laughs> it was a better event than WrestleMania. Oh, like No doubt about it. Yeah. Uh, uh, Nakamura versus Zayn. Yeah. Oh my god. So good. It was yes. so and the crowd was just eating it up. And they weren't an annoying crowd like they were at like the Raw after Mania. But oh, okay. man, it was I loved it. Yeah, it was excellent. Even the opening tag match. I've never seen the two guys who won um before, but oh. they were they were fun to watch, man. I love that they, double suplex they both did. I mean, it was just cool. They are my favorite guys on NXT right now. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. Uh, I don't. I'm, as a Canadian, I'm not. I'm not gonna buy tears. It says American Alpha, you know. <laughs> right. But uh, I wanted a Gable towel when I saw NXT in January, and they yeah. had no Gable um, gear whatsoever. And now they've got a gimmick going, so whatever. Right. But uh, yeah, those guys, like those guys in Revival, and you know, like NXT, they did the women's, uh, you know, revolution. Like mm-hmm. they pretty much brought women's wrestling back to the forefront. Right. And they're doing the same thing with tag teams right now. Yeah, tag team absolutely. division is so strong and it's so deep now. Mm-hmm. You know, and now you've got the Vaude Villains and you've got Enzo and Cass on Raw. Um, I'm curious to see how this tag tournament is going to go. Yeah, you know, I am too. I'm like fucking Enzo and Cass are so damn good, man. They are funny to watch and they are just entertaining as hell. I cannot yeah. wait to see them go. I, I've, obviously, they're leading up to a Dudley Boys versus Enzo and Cass in the tournament. Um, but yeah. I think, and I, I mean, the Dudleys are pretty well known for putting over newcomers at this stage in the game and exactly so. that's their role now and like yeah. i i think i'm kind of tired of new day it's just become oh, just so over the top now ah I, i'm they don't need the belts anymore you know oh I yes they do have them drop the, the belts w- to another w- team <laughs> i love uh, it. yeah i think I, I think they're gonna drop it to whoever wins this tournament though yes they've had as, over as they 200 should. and something days like i think they're going to at this point 
Yeah, they're so over. They don't need the belts. Give it yeah. to a new team. You know, yeah. like, uh, like even the, the new guys that debuted on Monday. Oh, yeah, that was uh, awesome. Yeah, so it, it's going to be interesting. Like tag team wrestling is going to, you know, it's getting a spark now. Like like the women's wrestling had last summer. So it's good. Right. I think they're going the right direction. I haven't canceled my subscription yet. Right. I think what... So, you know, quote unquote, Shane McMahon has been running raw the past two weeks. And I think what they're realizing is that the reason. Oh, I'm sorry, you're cutting out there. I didn't catch you. Oh, sorry about that. Um, I, uh, th- I think they're finally realizing WWE's finally reason that the reason that NXT is so over is because they're actually putting on incredible matches we- every time you watch it. And so I think they're finally letting the, you know, the talent kind of shine through on raw, at least these past couple weeks. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but. Uh, they had, you know, AJ Styles versus uh, Sami Zayn, which I thought was just an awesome match. Um, they had the the, the uh, Fatal Four Way last Monday night to end Raw. I mean, it was it was great. Uh, the opening match was Kevin Owens versus Cesaro, which was fantastic. Um, so I think they're finally letting kind of the talent shine, as opposed to them shining, the the authority shining, which is just I'm so over. So I think it's heading in the right direction. Well, that's exactly it. And, and now that the guys are actually uh, coming back, you know, like Cesaro's back, and he did his big reveal with the suit where he ripped the suit off to showing his trunks, mm-hmm. and people, like, he's over with the crowd. Start listening to your patrons, you know? Right. Exactly. So uh, I think there's they're going to, like, steady the ship here and uh, give us uh, what we want. One last thing I'll say is apparently Bray Wyatt got seriously injured at the last event, either today or yesterday. So that's not a good thing because they were finally okay. starting to push him and so we'll see what happens there. Do you know what happened? Uh, I don't. Nope. They just, it was, uh, I was reading on Twitter um, that he got seriously injured. He was being like escorted off uh, by trainers, but I don't know what happened yet because I didn't get back on Twitter since then because I was finishing. Was he fighting Reigns? Like, did he take a sprint I... punch because Reigns is so <laughs> devastating and stuff? <laughs> I doubt it, but I don't know for sure. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. I like trees plaguing them, but yeah. All right. So Ash, what have you done this past week? Anything exciting? Uh, I did have to say goodbye to my cat, which was not great, but, uh, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. that. So, um, yeah, it was for the best, um, Good. for her, for her anyway. Right. But, uh, um, let's see. Friday, I ended up binging my, worries away by watching almost all of season six of Archer on Netflix all all day long. (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah. My wife was at work for most of it. So that, that, you know, that that was capable of doing that. Um, She's like Archer. uh, She is not nearly as much of an Archer fan as I am. (laughs) I mean, she, she likes it in small doses and not like, like I like to binge it. Okay. She's like, no. Um, but uh, yeah, I loved season six. They, yeah, they continually amaze me with some of the shit they come up with. Um, and then I rewatched the Mummy and the Mummy Returns. Oh yeah, that's right. I saw that like back to back. The Mummy. Are you penalizing has... yourself or? Huh? <laughs> Are you penalizing hey, like yourself the... or something? Oh, I like the Mummy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I. I don't think the mummy returns has aged nearly as well as the mummy has the mummy actually like the effects work. Most of it still looks pretty decent. Mummy returns. Not so much. Uh, like the rock still looks absolutely ridiculous when he comes Oof. out as the scorpion king. 
<laughs> I mean, it's just, it's like, wow. It's like, can you say big, dumb CGI effect any more than that? Um, but, and, and The Mummy Returns still has all the same plot problems that I had with it the first time I, first couple times I've watched it. So it didn't, I mean, it was still fun in parts, but it was just like, it's like, wow, this is, they could have done so much better with this. But, uh, I mean, the first one was still pretty good. I still enjoyed that. So yeah, the first was, one is good. It is a, it, it is a, it's like a Sunday afternoon movie. You know, they made it like an like a 1940s horror film, which I like yeah. a lot. Yeah, and it's and it's really it's even if you take the horror elements out, the mum the original mummy flick is an absolute great adventure flick. It is like mm-hmm. their version of Indiana Jones. Yeah, you know, I agree like with that. 90s, yeah, um, and it's it's just fun. Um, but yeah. They uh, and uh, so I watched those two, and today I decided to try something. Someone I um, recommended it on Twitter. I don't even remember who, um, but I saw it was on Netflix. So I was like, "All right, I'll have to take a look." And I watched Hush, uh, which is absolutely fantastic. I think Brandon, you will love it because yeah. it is very much along the home invasion lines. Oh, okay. Um, oh, and- I'm writing that down. Yeah, it's it's on Netflix, and I actually I five started on my account. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, um, I think I came across that the other day and was was going to watch it, but I ended up not watching anything because that's just how it goes. But I'll definitely have to put that on. Yeah, yeah. Netflix actually it was playing at a, at a, a film festival, and Netflix outbid like major studios just oh, for wow. the rights of it. Yeah, apparently it is fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah, I have, I've heard nothing but good things about it, but I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, I was engrossed with it from pretty much from the start. Um, hmm. I, and they, it doesn't take too long to get into what's going on. And when they do get into what's going on, it's just like, yeah, I was like on my edge of my seat, like the whole movie. So that's awesome. Yeah. It was really well done. Cool. But, uh, and that was pretty much it. Yeah. Great. That sounds fun. I'm definitely gonna check that one out. So I guess that's our week. So I guess I want to give a, a warning here. The Red Wings are uh, going into intermission, the second intermission tied. And so if I all of a sudden start screaming in the third period, that's why. So I apologize for that. But it, if it happens, it happens. <laughs> all right. I'll do my best to edit it out. But What did your screaming sound like? <laughs> is it, is it, yeah, I can just imagine it's a lot like me watching the Bills game. Or, well, not even watching the Bills game, just listening to the Bills game. <laughs> Right. Like I'll have it on the internet and listening in the radio and it's like, come on. Yeah. I remember months ago. My wife's always like, you know, they can't hear you, right? It doesn't matter. Exactly. I remember months ago uh, when Chris was still doing the show with us, his, his boyfriend was in the background watching the Monday night games (laughs) and he would just all of a sudden we hear screaming because he's a huge Pats fan. That was always fun. But anyway, all right. So let's jump into our hate, our review of hate, the hateful eight. So there are, as always, going to be spoilers for this film. So if you have not seen The Hateful Eight, go out, buy it on Blu-ray, come home, watch it, and then put on our podcast again so you can enjoy our wonderfully enlightening take that we're sure to have on The Hateful Eight. So this one. (laughs) Okay, I have to know, what is that a clip Or is that not like a clip? That's actually from, uh, well, uh, spoiler alert, it's actually from the movie After He Drinks Coffee. That's what I thought. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, sometimes I, I just get familiar. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes I get mo- inspiration as I watch a movie. Like, how am I going to start the podcast? Let's make it fun. 
So I took a voice memo of the film. So I, I meet on my knees beside my speaker trying to get a good angle for the sound for my phone. <laughs> That's dedication That's awesome, and it's appreciated. Uh, you know, it's what I do. <laughs> the Hateful Eight, obviously directed by Tarantino, also written by Tarantino, has a 7.9 rating on IMDb with a Metacritic score of 68. So this is the synopsis courtesy of the Internet Movie Database. In the dead of a Wyoming winter, a bounty hunter and his prisoner find shelter in a cabin currently inhabited by a collection of nefarious characters. The Hateful Eight, everybody. So right to open, or right when we uh, start this film, we have an incredibly long take of the – it was a cross. And just the music, the score was so different than any like the feeling of it the, the scope of it it was just epic it was so different than anything we i've heard coming into this film out of these tarantino films and so immediately something is different about this film that's that's the that's the feeling that i got at least and that was before even the the title card for chapter one it, it just seems he, he tends to want to you know uh beat himself at his own game every time yeah. he releases a new film you're right like like it gets more and more epic as you go through his catalog of films and uh yeah th this one it's almost operatic you know mm -hmm. yeah it, it's interesting to see what he's gonna do for his next movie just because like this one it seems the the way it starts it's such on a high note. And visually and, you know, with the score. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't really let go for the full three hours and seven minutes. Hmm. Yeah. Tarantino's biggest inspiration for this movie and the one he was most uh, thematically was trying to come across with is Carpenter's take on the thing. In fact, that was what he had the cast watch when they were making this. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I can, huh. that makes a lot of sense because yeah. the second half of the film is pretty much the interrogation scene, you yeah. know, with the blood sample and the blowtorch. Yep. From that opening, from that really long take, we jump into chapter one, the last stage to Red Rock. And I was happy because the chapters were back. It just makes it easier for me when I'm doing the podcast. Mm. It's easier to break down. <laughs> but So I loved the... The interplay between ja uh, Samuel L. Jackson and Kurt Russell. Let me get these character names here. Major Warren and uh, John Ruth. Uh, the woman, Domergu. Daisy Domergu. She was just, I mean, disgusting. Like, the, uh, I, what was she doing in the beginning? She just like, oh, she like snots out the window as he's talking to us. She's like, God, <laughs> you can immediately tell there's something about this character that is interesting. And, and you know she's dirty and not dirty yeah. like sexually, but just like dirty in general. Because at one point, you know, uh, John Ruth is talking to uh, Major Warren and she's just taking her hat off and scratching her hair because you know she's got lice. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So it's just the state of her character, you know. She, she's mm -hmm. been caught. She probably hasn't taken a bath in probably a few weeks. Right. Yeah. That, that stagecoach probably smells pretty ripe. Most likely. <laughs> And it was so like rocky. I was like, man, how, how in the hell? Because um, later on, the sheriff says he's gonna just lay my head over here by the window and just enjoy the rockiness and let the let it rock me to sleep. I'm just thinking, my how? That would be so uncomfortable to ride in. I can't even imagine. Yeah, I'm sure those uh, those cushions or those seats didn't have cushions on them. Sure right, it's just hard wood. Yep, cold hard wood. And as as gross and just as dirty as as she was. Daisy was the hangman. 
he just treats her so poorly, just like a like a a mule that he's kicking around. It doesn't give a shit about the way he manhandles her was just uh, just just deplorable. Well, in a way, I can kind of see him. He's manhandling her like like a slave in a way, right? You know, yep. like she's she's lesser than she, she is his bounty. Mm-hmm. And he's going to claim his $10,000. And he's not a nice guy either because he could have just shot her. But as for his gimmick name, (laughs) you know, he's the hangman. So he's going to watch her hang. Mm -hmm. And then there's there's a modern song. Well, not uh, yeah, modern compared to the the setting of the film that I really liked. I can't remember what's the I don't know the name of the song, um, but I thought it was in like a Jack White song. Oh, okay. I, I, at least it? It, sound, it sounded like Jack White or the White Stripes. Okay. Wait, which one are you talking about? Uh, in the very beginning, um, it was they were in the stagecoach. It was right after I think he did something. He hit her or something, and uh, she was like acting real strange because she was like rubbing her face and then would just stare at Samuel L. Jackson's character Warren, um, and then kind of would look away and then would look back and smile at him. I don't. know. It was such yeah. a strange interaction. Yeah, Jennifer Jason Lee's character as Daisy Domergue is uh, she, she's like the highlight of this film. Yeah, and and it's hard to like, and to say that when there's so many strong character actors in this mm-hmm. movie, you know, like she's a delight because at sometimes she's acting like a child, other times she's a skeeving bitch. <laughs> right. Like when she gets punched by Sam Jackson, or pardon me, by uh, by Major Warren. Um, for spitting on the Lincoln letter. Oh yeah, and goes flying. I love that. Yeah, and then like, and then um, you know, John Ruth because he's tied to her, uh, handcuffed to her, he goes flying as well. That was such well, a cool scene. There's interaction when they're in the snow where she's just sitting there mm-hmm. and she's trying to catch snowflakes with her tongue like a small <laughs> child. Uh, it's just those small moments, you know, that right. just makes me love this character. <laughs> but I never want to meet this character. You know what I mean? Like she's just right. a delight to watch, and that's why she was like, nominated for an Academy Award. Exactly, exactly. Um, the yeah, I think I, I, I kind of the the coolest part of that scene to me of that chapter had to be when they went flying out the door because she goes flying, and I just I I know they I knew they were chained together, but I didn't think about it, mm-hmm. and just the way she just pulled him out with him was just something. I thought that was really just uh, catching to the eye. I was like, oh, wow. What it I was liked, White Stripes. It was Apple it Blossom was by the White Stripes. Gotcha. And what I liked about that scene just prior to that, mm-hmm. the interaction between uh, Kurt Russell and Sam Jackson, yeah. when they're talking about the Lincoln letter and if you can see it. Oh, yeah. It's almost like, hey, uh, well, you want to see my uh, Wayne Gretzky rookie card. Right. Do you have it on you? I'm like, yeah, I got it on me. Because <laughs> when she spits on a letter, you see Sam Jackson's eyes go wide. Like, mm-hmm. you just ruined my artifact, you know? Right. It, 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 that was like a nerd moment. And then he <laughs> yeah. had a nerd rage. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I just it's, I just loved it because I could see myself and my friends like, you know, I, I, you know, I buy this poster, get it signed, and somebody rips it. Like, right. what the fuck? You know? And that was a what the fuck moment, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, I, I love that interaction just before uh, the punch. Mm-hmm. And then um, I like how um, the hangman's response to the letter, he's like, oh, that always gets me. What is it? What's her name? What's Lincoln's wife's name? Martha. Oh, um Mary Sue, Mary. <laughs> Shucks. I'm such an ignorant ass, and I'm I'm American. Like if you don't under if you don't remember, that's okay, Mark, because you're Canadian. I should know this, but I don't. But you know, what? 
I just watched the movie. <laughs> like, like 15 minutes prior. Oh, Mary Todd. Mary Todd. Yes. Thank you. Um, he's like, ah, oh, that Mary Todd part. It always gets me. <laughs> thought that yeah. was, I mean, like, and he was being like genuine. Like he was yeah. about to cry. Like. Exactly. It was almost in tears. And then just, yeah, we'll come back to that moment again at the end because I thought that was just perfect. But so anything else about chapter one that you would like to talk about either Mark or Ash, any, either of you. So that's, we're pretty much talking up until, up until they get punched, right? Because then chapter two is when, uh, is right. when, um, Maddox shows up. Yes. Mannix, excuse me. Yeah. Walter Goggins, Chris Mannix. So yeah, um, I don't have anything else to say. He uh, was. I don't either, really. Yeah, me either. He was so great in Django, but he was such a small character. I'm talking about Goggins. Yeah. But holy fuck! So y- your favorite character was was uh, Daisy, and I understand that completely. But mine has to be him because he's such a like piece of shit, but he does it so well. It's you know one? And then there's such uh, a Walton Goggins. Oh yeah. Yeah, and there's such an arc to the character. I feel like that's so interesting. Um, and so yeah, I was he, just so happy to see him. Yeah, to me, he's by far my favorite male character in the film. Mm-hmm. You know, because like Kurt Russell, the way he played John Ruth, it's yeah. like he's playing a bad John Wayne. Like just <laughs> just his cadence with his lines. Yeah, I, I'm just seeing you know the bad John Wayne imitation like from Death Proof, unfortunately, and that's all I could hear watching the movie three times now. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so he's he looks apart. I just don't like the way he spoke. Um, and to me, Sam Jackson, he plays like the great, great, great grandpa of uh, Julius from Pulp Fiction. You know, <laughs> he's got the same laughter and same. I find he's got similar mannerisms. I loved him um, in this, though. Yeah. Oh, very good. Yeah. But me, Walton Goggins, and mm. I've liked everything he does. Everything he does, and he's finally got scenery to chew on in this mm-hmm. movie. Oh, yeah. And he takes it to the moon. No doubt about it. I love uh, they finally agree to let him in the car. And he's like, oh, love's grand, isn't it? And y'all want to lie on the ground and make snow angels together? I was dying. <laughs> that was just wow. such a perfect fucking line. He's so funny and he's oh. so sing-songy. Yeah. With the, the way he speaks in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I, I could fall asleep listening to him talk. <laughs> because as well, back in the day, like in, in that era, everybody had a strong vocabulary, you know? Right. And using these big, rich, strong words, it's like, oh, you don't – you watch these movies for sometimes just just a script because mm-hmm. nobody speaks this way anymore, you know? Right. Now it's LOLs and emojis. And, <laughs> and back then, everybody had a proper education and used to write long, eloquent letters. And it's just it's, – it's a, it's a lost – it's almost a lost art speaking this way. Mm-hmm. And the way he does it with his character as uh, Chris Mannix – it, it's awesome because he plays a former shit rat who is now the sheriff of Red Rock. Right. You know, so he's got his own without like he's got his own arc, which unfolds like, you know, in his past mm-hmm. from being, you know, uh, with the Marauders to being the sheriff. And then again, from being known as a Marauder to becoming the hero at the end. Right. You know, it's, so yeah. yeah, to me, this is his movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but him and J- J- Jennifer Jason Lee, they're oh. They're just awesome in this film. Yeah, they really are. Mm-hmm. And I lo- I mean, Goggins is basically, the sheriff is basically the, the exposition guy in in this chapter. I mean, what we're learning about is his past and Warren's past. Warren is his name, right? Uh, Samuel uh, Jackson? Uh, yeah, Marquise yeah. Warren. Yes, and Warren's past. And so 
if it was anybody else, I think I'd have been bored. But the way he handles it is just so great, which obviously is a as a nod to Tarantino's filmmaking and the way he directs it. It's never boring. Um, he's just so damn good at the delivery of the exposition, even if it's just, you know, four people talking like it is in this case. Well, uh, and I would like to point out one thing. Yeah. He calls himself the sheriff. Right. There but- is. No proof None at, at all. all at any That's point true. in the film that he is telling the truth. Right. I just call him the sheriff because I don't remember his real name. But yeah. Yeah. Oh, Chris. But, but, his name's Chris. To me, like, I think he, he was going to. And, like, I don't think he lied at all during the film. You know, he, he's honest about his past being, uh, you know, work, uh, you know, fighting for the South. Mm-hmm. And now oh, that right. he's got. Yeah. Like, to, to me, like, I don't believe he was lying at all at one point. But you're right. Uh, he, at, at no time did he have any documentation or he didn't have his star yet. Right. But uh, after watching the film three times, I do believe that he was going to be the next sheriff of Red Rock. Watching it only once. And th- and that's what I'm going to – I feel like I've screwed myself. You were mentioning I should watch Django twice. This is this is the film because the first time I watched Django, it hit me like I you know I loved it. Mm-hmm. it and um, this one, I feel like I should have watched multiple times. I didn't um, watch this one. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. If I had more time, I, I liked just, it better the second time. Yeah, I ran out of time, and so I only ended up watching this one once. Um, but and so you know, take my criticism with a with a grain of salt, I guess, because of that, because I feel like it's definitely a film that the more you watch it, the more you're going to pick up, because uh, there's so many subtle things in it. I feel like that I probably missed on this time out, but that's just yeah. the way it is. Well, you know, like the first time I watched it, looking at my uh, my letterbox, yeah. I only gave it three and a half stars. Okay. After watching it today, um, you know, like I, I bumped it up just because I have a better appreciation for it. Yeah. You know, seeing it three times now. Right. Um, you know, it's just, it, it's, it's to me, it's this film's a masterpiece, but we'll get to that at the end. But it does get better with, with multiple viewings. I believe it. I believe it. So chapter three, Minnie's haberdashery which is such a fucking wonderful word. And so this is where we're introduced to the, you know, the rest of the cast of characters that are important to the film. Um, and I was thinking all the way up until the final, when we kind of did our flashback chapter, um, that Minnie was kind of the most interesting character that was never shown. Uh, but obviously she gets introduced at, later on in the film. So that kind of throws that off. But mm-hmm. um, this, the history the history of this aberdashing, the history of many is fascinating and it's told basically through uh, memories from Warren's character, which I think is really uh, interesting. But anyway, um, Tim Ross character, I couldn't help but think to myself, Oswaldo, I wish this was Christoph Waltz. I think that's everybody's uh, opinion on that. Yeah. That's the same thing I, I thought. Just mm-hmm. the way he smiled. Yeah, you know, I could see Chris Walf, uh, Waltz smiling the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost you know, as if he was trying he, to play w- how Waltz played in his last in his previous two films. That's, that's kind what of what I thought. I think, I think though that he actually wrote this with Roth in mind. If I remember the trivia right. Yeah, I think I I did read that, or I heard have heard that. You have maybe even told me that in the past, but yeah, that makes total sense because that's what I got out of it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's it's interesting, but. Um, and not that Roth was bad. Uh, it's, I just feel like Waltz could have made it such a more memorable role like he did with his last two. I think it was a much smaller part though, too. Oh yeah. No doubt about it. Honestly, I think the, you know, like the Chris Waltz accolade that was received, that he received for, um, Inglourious Bastards and Mm -hmm. for Jaguar Unchained, I think the accolade 
for this movie would actually go to Walton Goggins. You know, he's the one that right. had the meaty, the meaty role, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. The, Absolutely. I, one of the funniest parts to me in this chapter was when they were bust uh, coming through the door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they just kept screaming. And then Oswaldo would just literally yell the exact same thing that the guy behind him was yelling, which was um, Michael Madsen's character. Yeah. Uh, just he was just repeating it and yelling at it, and then they were just all screaming at the door every time. So I mean, that was hilarious to me. And it, you know what? Like it, it's funny watching the theaters, but then watching it today in uh, on Blu-ray in my house mm-hmm. because I could hear Michael Madsen like behind me yelling. <laughs> you know, like he hasn't been introduced yet, but he, he's so distinct in his voice, right? Yeah. And just and you know, it's funny the first time. It's funnier the second time. And like by the fifth or sixth time where everybody's just yelling. Like, <laughs> yeah. I think at one point, somebody's just yelling to, just to yell. You know? <laughs> I haven't seen any words. It's hilarious. <laughs> this movie is much funnier than it's, than it's claimed to be, you know? Mm-hmm. It, 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 it's, it's an underlying comedy in a whodunit. <laughs> right. Yeah, and that's, and that's something, you know, I can't, I can't wait to watch again in the future because I, it's just something I'll appreciate more, I'm sure. But the uh, the Abe Lincoln letter was the root of some some very humorous moments. And I wrote that down, but I can't remember specific. Oh, um, I just love at the dinner table when he's going through kind of the steps. Abe Lincoln, Abe Lincoln, the president of the United States, Abe Lincoln. And just yes, yes, yes. Another hilarious moment. And you know what? He's caught in a lie. And doesn't really defend himself. He just pretty much says, yeah, it's, it's bullshit so that you white folk will accept me. Right. You know? Yeah. And then they'll look. stagecoach, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so, exactly. And, and he's right, though, you know? Mm-hmm. And then the look on John Ruth's face when he was deceived. <laughs> I know. It's like, that Win Grisky rookie card you showed me <laughs> is fucking bullshit. Like, yeah. we're not friends anymore. You know? <laughs> All right, right. Yeah. Exactly. Again, it's like back to a grade six mentality in, in the schoolyard, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like. Yeah, you know, shame on you, and right. we're done. Some of my favorite moments um, with uh, Sam Jackson's character, I mean, it felt like he was kind of a detective, the way he was going through the house, the way it was filmed, like you're looking at the jelly bean on the floor, noticing that things are out of place, the way he was questioning um, Senor Bob. Bob. Um, just- Sam Jackson in this is very much McCready from The Thing. He's yes. piecing yeah, it all together. Yeah. Right. The um I wish they kind of did more with that though. They mm. touch on it, they do it, and then it goes away. And then he kind of comes back at the very end with his with his theory, which is pretty spot on. And um you know, I thought that was really cool, but I kind of wish it didn't disappear in the middle. And I thought I thought there was gonna be maybe something more with that. Like he was I don't know, just something <sighs> deeper there, I guess. You mean his investigation? Yeah, kind of his investigative skills. Like, I thought he was going to be turned out to maybe be a detective of some sort. But, I mean, oh, he's gotcha. a bounty hunter, so he does yeah, – you know, that kind of is his line of work, really, I guess. Well, the thing is, like, the, the reason why he he's, he looks like – or at least he, he's acting like an investigator is because, like, he's been to the haberdashery multiple times, obviously, right. from, you know, what he's he, he's saying – and you know, you know when you walk in a room and just there's something wrong with this yeah. room, like just it just doesn't compute. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think I don't think he's like a super investigator, but just you know he's so familiar with Minnie's haberdashery that 
Something yeah. doesn't smell right. Yeah, you I know? think that's probably it. It's just like, his, it's not his detective skills. It's just his familiarity. Familiarity. With Ex- yeah. Exactly. You know, to a point where, you know, like never seen Bob. Um, <laughs> sweet Dave and Minnie are there. I love uh, the, the sign that's missing. No animals <laughs> and no. No dogs Mexican. and no Mexicans. No dogs and no Mexicans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the only reason why uh, she took the sign, the sign down is because she loves dogs in the, in the yeah. haberdashery. Yeah, it's funny. That's funny. Oh man! Now it's in this chapter where we do the whole death of General Sandy Smithers, Bruce Dernanis, in the film, right? Yes. Is it in part? Yep. Yeah, I man, this is the one segment of the film I just don't like because this this is this is the part where a Tarantino lost my wife. Actually, she was on board with this movie up until that scene. Yeah, I, yeah because, my wife would be the same way, guaranteed. Yeah, it it went from him being, you know, uh, discovered as a fraud, saying he doesn't have the mm-hmm. letter, to then giving Stu to the guy that is racist against him, right? Having a short chat, and then proceeding to tell a story about how he had his son below him naked before right. he killed him. It's like, what? why? Yeah, what, what was the point of that? Ha- yeah. And like, it's like, like it's like his credibility is already lost. Like they just they just lost him, his credibility, and now he's telling the story. I feel like it may I don't know, just the order of things was odd to me too. It just just, just seemed like something tacked on. Mm-hmm. You know, like was there a point of the whole like, you know, disrobing the sun and then make him walk two hours in the snow just to have him right. blow him? So you're acknowledging that in those times. Yeah. I I, I don't know. To me, that just that's this is the one part that I just don't get. Yeah, it was strange. I mean, obviously, the, the whole end goal, the reason for this story is yes. to make him stand up, grab the gun, so then he can shoot the him because yes. he hates him. That's the point of the story. So, I mean, what part of it's true and what part of it's bullshit, I don't know. I would um, say after but, being uh, after being shown as a liar, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that the story itself is completely fake. Like, right, it didn't happen just to get a rise out of the guy. Um, I just didn't feel like it really worked with the film itself. Like, yeah, it's such it's a so cool film up to this point. Yeah, you know, and it just seems so like abrupt. It's like the needle skipped on the vinyl. Right. You know, like yeah. he goes from the he goes from the table, then goes to sit down with them just to go and shoot him after a lewd tale of uh, you know uh, of of interracial blowjobs. Like, ah, mm-hmm. eh, that didn't work for me. Right. I mean, yeah, just a rape story in the middle of the movie. It's just like, yeah. what? It's just and, and, cold, cruel. I don't know. It's just, and not, because was it, and not because it's two men. Let's say that was his right. daughter instead. Yeah. Like, still, it just, exactly. why? You know? Exactly. Like, I, like I understand why to, to get him to, 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 to pick up the gun so that he can kill him. But it just, yeah, I don't know. It's like the, the needle skipped on the record and now the songs are out of order. I don't know. I just didn't like it. Yeah, it just feels this scene probably more than anything kind of like it didn't ruin the movie for me, but it was just no. like it's just like I honestly I the second time I watched it though I tuned out at this part. It was just like eh. it's like yeah. it, this is so unnecessary. I it's like yeah I get Tarantino what he likes to do. Yeah, this just didn't work. It, it just no. did not work. Yeah, I agree with that. Hmm. But what I did love during this. Was the was Bob playing the piano? I thought that yeah. was a really cool underscore to this whole odd fucked up sequence. But I thought that was a really cool uh, like decision on Tarantino's part. 
yeah. and just reinforces, you know, this is a Christmas movie. <laughs> yes, Christmas Eve, we always watch Hateful Eight with Granddad. <laughs> <laughs> so chapter four is Dumbergoo's Got a Secret. And so then we just get another random narration. So in Django, there was kind of that in the middle of the film, that random uh, title sequence that was telling us what was going on and moving a story forward. And now we just get a random narration. And that was Tarantino doing the narration, right? I'm almost 100% certain of that. Yeah. Um, So that's his cameo there. But, you know, and again, I thought it worked. I didn't didn't dislike it at all, which is so weird because I feel like if if this was in a different film, I would just... Like I don't, I'd be so taken aback by it, but I think because it's Tarantino, it well, just I accept it. Now the reason for that as well is because the seventy millimeter presentation had a fifteen minute intermission. That's the other thing I was I was thinking about too. Is this must have been where the intermission went because I knew it had an intermission. And yeah, like, so that's where it was between uh, it was between those two uh, chapters. So okay. that's why there was a recap. So I'm, I'm, don't let me forget to ask you at the end what the differences were between that one and the Blu-ray that we have now. Oh, I can answer for you right now. Uh, I okay. don't know. Oh, um, okay. Uh, the movie itself, like there was, there was an overture at the, well, yeah, there was an overture at the beginning, oh. which was pretty much just uh, um soundtrack and, uh, and like um, nature footage, or at least like, just like the mountain. Weird. Okay. Um, But as for the actual scenes in the film, I can't recall anything. I, I okay. just don't, I can't recall. Because it's like a, a significant time difference from what I was looking at. It was like 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. But I I honestly, uh, after watching it, a 70 millimeter and watching it a second time mm-hmm. and not watching it today, um, I, between the intermission, which they had some music playing, yeah, and uh, the, uh, the, or the overture, which was, uh, it could have been the carriage going, like more carriage scene. Of it like slowly coming into focus down the mountain. Mm-hmm. But apart from that, I really can't recall the difference. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. And maybe they're, I wonder if they're including the intermission in that runtime then. I would assume, be, cause, I would assume because it, it wasn't just a dark screen. They had like right. a, a title card. So oh, it's probably okay. 50 minutes of that, which yeah. what a waste of film. <laughs> right. I don't need to see that. So <laughs> moving yeah. ahead. Uh, <laughs> uh, the... So yeah, so this is when we find out that someone's poisoned the coffee, and um, and that follows <laughs> exactly. Oh man, um, I loved this because then it turned into a, a whodunit at that point, which frankly yes. it wasn't until this point, really. You, you know what? It wasn't to me. I this movie is like the movie Clue. Okay. Where you get to know the characters, and now it's a whodunit. Yeah, you know, and, and and that's what I like about it is that like the first half really was just to to really get to know right the the people, you know, because you got eight characters and this is their backstories, and by the time the whodunit happened, everybody's got a pretty good idea of who's who exactly, but not knowing who they really are, mm-hmm. you know. So uh, that's what I like about it. I th- I f- I'm afraid I missed something here. Because okay. she's playing, Amargu's playing the guitar, and then oh, yeah, she walks up to her and tells her to play it, and it'll play another verse, and then she does, and then he like freaks out, pulls the guitar away, like destroys it's the guitar. The like, lyrics. Two, yeah, two I things about that. Thought, okay, uh, it's about her killing him and then running away to Mexico. I I thought that's what I thought. I I wasn't sure. I heard something about John and 
killing behind me in Mexico, but I didn't put yeah. it all together. Okay. But then, okay. So I, I, I don't know if you know this story about uh, the guitar that's being used in this movie. I don't. But the guitar that Jennifer Jason Lee is playing was lent to Quentin Tarantino by some museum as an authentic guitar of that region of that era. Jeez. Jennifer Jason Lee is aware of this. She plays the guitar. And uh, when the Kurt Russell um, takes a guitar, he is not aware that this is a vintage guitar. He thinks it's a it's a whatever guitar, right? Right, a prop. Yeah. So when so when she so that's where there's like a weird cut in that scene when she goes whoa whoa whoa, she's like holy fuck, this is the museum guitar. You just fucked up a two hundred fifty thousand dollar guitar. Oh my god. So, so you'll see when he takes it and she goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then there's a, then it, it's kind of cut a bit where you see the back of her and like the aftermath. Yeah. Is, yeah, I guess maybe they, they cut the scene or something or like they, they stopped it prematurely. Wow. Yeah. She or he broke a vintage guitar not knowing it was. He thought it was <laughs> supposed to be the prop and no, it wasn't. Oh, wow. That's yeah. hilarious. The museum was pissed. They're <laughs> not lending, lending anybody else any piece of memorabilia ever again. Wow. So, That's yeah. Interesting tidbit there. Yeah, because if you rewatch it, just rewatch it for that scene and the yeah. look on her face is like, she's out of character now. She's like, <laughs> whoa, 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 hey, this is not, this is Jennifer Jason Lee telling Kurt Russell, right. what the fuck did you just do? <laughs> you know? She did, however, play that on set. That is her singing. That is her playing. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. wow! Okay. Yeah. So, like, why else would they take that guitar, right? Right. Yeah. So, so that's her, and then that's her being herself saying shit. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Wow. So after he does that, then we get again, kind of that instant brutality that Tarantino's known for, and but this it was much later than we normally get it in a Tarantino film, and I'm talking, of course, about the the um the vomiting up of all the blood and everything of course you know what's his name was shot yeah that part exactly what's his name was shot in the last chapter but it wasn't very brutal uh, no. it wasn't very bloody like this is um and then yeah so i don't know i just thought it was interesting how much later this came than than we're used to seeing with tarantino's films and what I like about it, maybe people are used to his rhythm now yeah so it kind of changes it and then like the vomiting Mm-hmm. It's totally unexpected right. in the way that it's presented. Yeah. Oh. Like it, it's a violent blood vomit. You know, it's a it's a geyser out of your mouth. And then he fucking vomits on her face with her mouth open. I yeah. it's gonna fucking die. That was disgusting. And then she just like smiling and fine with it. Well, because he's dead now. Right. You know? Yeah. So you gotta take the good, take the bad. Yeah. <laughs> Facts of life. <laughs> <laughs> and then the um, another thing I loved was uh, for the effects wise anyway was the killing of Senor Bob when Warren shoots him and then walks up and gives him the dual pistols to the head. That was fucking brutal, man. That was awesome. I thought that was very reminiscent to the uh, shooting of Hitler in Inglorious Bastards. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you know it was when a little it, bit. Yeah. Um, but can we talk about Senior Bob for a second? Yeah. Because we really haven't touched <laughs> upon him. No. How fucking awesome was he? Hey, again, I, I'm, it's all about cadence in this film today. But the way he spoke, and if you really pay attention to what he says, he is so fucking funny, Cavron. Like, he 
he his like his mouth is hidden most of the film, right? Between the beard and then with the scarf. Right, right. But the way like the way he spoke his his English with the Mexican accent, like he was hilarious. He was, yeah. <laughs> you know, because he was speaking fast, and then because you only you didn't really see his mouth move, so it's all in his eyes as well. Mm-hmm. You know, Damien Bashir doesn't get enough credit for his portrayal as Bob in this movie. <laughs> Or Marcus the Mexican, or was it Marco the Mexican? Mar- yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, man, he made me laugh the whole like every scene he's in because he's so muted, but when he speaks, oh mm-hmm. man, he made me laugh so much. He was such a great he, character. I love when he said, "Yeah," uh, he was talking about Sam Jackson's character, talking about how he's he was being real laissez faire with the hat, and he goes, "Yes." I am laissez faire with the hats. I thought that was just fucking hilarious. <laughs> and then he made a joke about tomorrow we'll make it a, a special hat or no yeah. hat day. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't catch that till the till today. Oh, I didn't okay. catch that line. I'm like, ah, tomorrow we'll make it a no hat day. Like, he's funny. He's yeah. a funny bandito, you know? Oh, man. And then having his death being so gory yeah. you know where his head is fully caved in you know it's right yeah and with that well that's that's again that's a tarantino flourish you know exactly i love when the so the sheriff i thinks that it's michael madsen's character that is the one to blame for the poisoning of the coffee and then he basically finds out that he's right or he thinks that he finds out that he's right and just his reaction was so fucking it was as if he was he had never gotten anything right in his life and he finally got something right he was just like i knew it i thought that was fucking hysterical but what's also funny is that the reason why he thinks it's joe gage is because he's the ugliest okay. of the three yeah <laughs> i don't leave you joe gage i'm like oh, yeah. oh my god you're hilarious so chapter five this is our this is kind of our our flashback chapter entitled the four passengers so we got Zoe Bell. I was like, hey, Zoe Bell. And she's playing fucking a, a character from uh, Death Proof. The same yeah. goddamn character from Death Proof. We're New Zealand. But- God almighty. That's the, the country I couldn't think of. Like she just apparently she can't like talk without her accent or something. And so they just always put her from New Zealand. I think that's funny to me. But but, but just again, she does the whole bubbly, you yeah. know, things bugging her. And I'm like, ugh. Yep. See, that bugs me because it seems like she's a one-note actress, you know? Jesus. At least in his films. It's like she plays the same bubbly, nothing can screw me over, you know? There's nothing but rainbows and sunshine in my in my life right. type of views. And that kind of annoyed me. <laughs> I marked out hardcore when I saw Channing Tatum, though. I love Channing Tatum. And- oh, uh, yeah. Uh, we didn't talk about how the chapter ends. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Again, another testicle uh, shot. Another oh, fucking yes. ball shot. You're right. I didn't yes. even think about that. Yeah, I think about it every time I see it because <laughs> I, hate, I got phantom pains. <laughs> I forgot all about that. Yeah, another goddamn shot to the balls. I don't know. Like he's got a foot fetish. He's got an exploding oh. penis fetish. Uh, yeah, like this is. Uh, and I guess that's the last chapter, so we'll get to it. But man, you know, Sam Jackson, the way he acts in the final act, yeah. or the final chapter, everybody can feel it. I he's in discomfort. So yeah, I thought it was so great. Yeah. Just like laughing into pain. I, it was just, man. It's almost delirium. You're in delirium. Right. State. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, this, so this is the um, the first time we really get to see Channing Tatum. Of course, he's in the very end of the last chapter, like you mentioned, shooting yeah. off balls. But 
Well shot. This is the first time. So everyone, the, the four passengers walk in and we were introduced to Sweet Dave and Minnie, who I thought were fucking awesome. Why are we killing Sweet Dave and Minnie? They're great. They did, they did nothing wrong to no one. Exactly. They seem so nice and fun. Yeah. But And she, she has a big ass. We, we. I speak French now. Oh yeah, you do. Right. (laughs) But I thought Tatum Tatum was excellent in this. I think he's such an underrated actor. I think he's really good at what he does. Like he fucking cracks me up in the Jump Street movies. Um, he's I don't know. I haven't seen. I've heard we heard he was good in uh, what was it, The Eagle? But I've never actually seen that one. But. Yeah, he's in that, and not Eagle. He's in that uh, uh, that wrestling film. Um, Yeah, shit. Uh, Is that the one you're speaking of? The one where he's the wrestler, Uh, uh, dog uh, catcher, catcher something, foot catcher. Shit. Oh um, no, dog, dog, not dog catcher. Uh, I'm gonna kick myself. I know you're rat catcher. No, (laughs) Uh, Uh, I don't know. I know what you're talking about, but I can't think of the name. It's bugging me now. He was in the Eagle, wasn't he? I don't know what the eagle. What is the eagle? Oh, I don't know. It's like a. Oh, you mean like Eddie the eagle? No, yeah, he was in the eagle. It's a in Roman ruled Britain. A young Roman soldier endeavors to honor his father's memory by finding his lost legion's gold emblem. One of those types of films. Oh, I've never seen that. Uh, yeah, I haven't either. Uh, well, now the fucking lightning scored and it counts. I'm trying to think, what what, what movie catch. was that? Fox. Fox catcher, I knew it was in a four-footed mammal. Ah, okay. <laughs> See, I've never really liked Channing Tatum. I liked him in this. I li- I've I liked him in this, but I haven't seen the Jump Street movie though. Either. Oh, you haven't seen the Jump? Oh, God, I. They're actually pretty funny. They I saw them both in the theaters. Oh. Yeah, but I, I grew up watching the TV show, and that looked nothing like the TV show. Oh no, it's not. Oh, it's, it's not. No, it's not. Yeah, and that bothered me. So it's just like okay, I. I that that put me off from it like almost instantly. I'm tired of them making like movies based off of TV shows that I liked growing up, and then basically like pissing all over them. But, <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, uh, I, that's why 18... I didn't. It, well, the eighteen one didn't though. The the movie though, they didn't really piss all over the eighteen movie you know TV show because it felt like it, you know it could have worked with the show, you know, and they didn't. I don't know. That that you know, bothered me. One movie that could have worked if it wasn't for Jimmy Fox's ego was Mammy Vice. That could have been awesome. Never seen and that it one. was just so so. Yeah, it, yeah, it was very dry. That yeah. one I, I did like it, but it was just it was very dry. Yeah, I had high hopes for that one. Yeah. <laughs> but it was just there was one other one that, that uh oh the one that I didn't that came out recently that I was just like, nope, not even gonna touch it with a temple pool was Gem and the Holograms. I was like, <laughs> I was like, talk about looking like nothing like the original cartoon or the comic book that's out now. It's just like, you know Dude. what? That's the big, big old middle finger. Yeah, not gonna you, do it. You know, another middle finger I would give is Fuller House. Fuck you, Fuller House. Hey now, hey now, let's not get rash. Fuller House is fucking hilarious. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I, I, I've had too much coffee. <laughs> <laughs> so Chadwick Tatum is he still in line for that Gambit movie or has that fallen yes. apart the Gambit movie is still on but they don't have a script or I think they have a director but they're still working on it oh okay hmm. so then this in this chapter here more sudden violence but this time I feel like it's completely expected because we know something's gonna happen 
Um, and then you find out, obviously, that it's his sister, that Daisy is Channing Tatum's sister, Channing Tatum's character's sister. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of puts it all together. Now all the pieces have been connected as much as we're going to get, really. And so everybody's in on it, and they killed poor sweet Dave and Minnie and the help that they had around there. And uh, man, Michael Madsen's character, just heartless, ruthless, especially when he walks outside, walks around, follows the blood trail. And as the guy is telling him, you know, I haven't worked here long. Your beef is with her. I have nothing to do with it. And and that's it. It's like, wow. And then stands on top of Zoe Bell, shoots her again until she's dead. Just very cold hearted. But then obviously you find out they're part of a gang. And so it kind of makes sense because, you know, a gang back then is not quite what a gang is now. I I do like the death of uh, Gemma. She was the girl getting the uh, jelly beans. Yeah. Because, again, that's another Tarantino thing. You know, you're shooting someone and you're whipping them against a wall or off or like you don't just like fly off something. Right. Like they did in the glorious uh, or in um, in uh, Django, you know, with the with the sister at the end where she gets shot and she gets flown in the other room. Right. They did something similar with her. And then again, as well with uh, with. uh, Tim Roth's character when he gets shot uh, against the fireplace during yep. the interrogation scene, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know, I kind of dig that because uh, it's uh, a little more, it's a little physical. There's no CGI, right? And again, like, and I, I found this movie not as bloody as uh, Django, but oh. still, the use of squibs yeah. totally no trumps any CGI. You yeah, know? oh, absolutely. Every any day of the week, man, absolutely right. All day, all night. <laughs> Uh, and so then we, we go into our last chapter. We have Black Man, White Hell. <laughs> and uh, Tatum comes out from the basement and is talking with his sister. And then out of nowhere, his head just goes flying off. And watching his head blow off, man, that was sick and awesome. They did such a great job with that. That yeah, was brutal. They, they share a smile and then <laughs> gone. Oh. Yeah. And it's still sudden. You know, like right. you're not expecting oh, yeah, it. Not at all. They're just talking and then boom. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, Marquise Warren can really hold a grudge. Mm-hmm, right. Then yeah. then again, he did shoot his nuts off. So exactly. he had it coming, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I loved like just though, like we talked about already, the way Jackson handled that last scene. Like you said, just entering delirium at that point from the pain. Yeah. You know, he's cold, but he's sweating, you know. Right. Right. At least had a cushy bed to lay in. Yeah, exactly. Minnie's bed. Wee. Wee wee. What like one of the most interesting sh- um just images from this has to be has to be her Daisy hanging as they watch her hang with John Roos arm still handcuffed to her hand. That was that was a cool shot. What a cool shot. Oh, yeah. oh remember uh, last week I said that um, he used, uh, he Tarantino got to use music cues from the thing that and uh, Marocone didn't use yeah, in the original yeah. film? Um, when Sam Jackson goes to shoot her and he's out of bullets. Oh, okay. That whole musical cue is uh, a take on the thing. If you, if you want, if you take that part, that musical cue and you 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 could slide it pretty much anywhere in the thing uh and it fits <laughs> oh, that's that cool theme. yeah it yeah. is i have to watch it again and with that in mind that's really cool yeah the thing is really underrated eh? yeah 
<laughs> I love. I, 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 if if it was a movie that I don't talk about all the time and watch like every year and and talk about on Twitter about how much I love the thing, I would right. absolutely put that in the list of movies for underrated. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, considering how much I talk about it, couldn't. <laughs> oh, that's a movie. The thing was underrated until it hit home video. Oh it, yeah, right. And, died in theaters. And you know why it died in theaters? E.T. Exactly. Two yep. alien movies coming out at the same time, one right. a family film, one not. Yeah. It's too bad. Well, um, that and one Spielberg, too. You know, that was just going to kill right, it right, right. there. Mm-hmm. I, actually, I actually did a podcast on The Thing when The the Thing prequel came out all okay. those years ago. For yeah. the, That was the first podcast I was doing for um, the sister site to Die Hard Game Fan, which was Inside Pulse Movies. And so... Um, I don't remember what I said back then, but I have, I definitely have done a podcast on it and would be more than willing to do another one in the future if you guys ever wanted to. I love that film and it's so much to talk about. It's just one of the best out there, but I'm still mad that they went with almost all CG effects. For yeah, the, the exactly. People, especially since they had such a good effects house doing the right. practical effects work. Because like their effects work, I I remember I remember that movie. I can't remember the name of it about the fishing boat that finds the alien. Yeah, uh, uh, wa- water water ship down or uh, yeah or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I just uh, watched that a few months ago. Yeah, the effects work in that is fantastic, and the only thing they used CG on was to get rid of wires. It's just uh, like okay. right there, right there. It's just like shows how impressive they are. Mm. And then yeah, the yeah, because the. They took special effects because I think they did practical effects for the thing prequel, and then they went CG. So they took those effects and made that uh, sh- that movie. I believe yeah, that's what Harbinger the story down. is. Harbinger down. Harbinger down. Yeah, yeah. Yes. but yeah, they uh, yeah that was they were so mad about it that they went and got a Kickstarter to make well, uh, that movie, the other movie with their practical effects because they wanted to show that yeah there's still an interest in that. But yeah, sorry, I'm. Isn't Watership Down? No. <laughs> Isn't Watership Down the movie about the bunnies? Um, well, oh, a- yes. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. Anyway, um, so what did you guys think of the end of this one? Um, well, like we previously mentioned, it's very the thingish because we don't know if they survive at the end. Um, I personally think that uh, <laughs> Major Marquise Warren uh, finished uh, his. Uh, his life on Earth in that bed, but uh, right. who knows if Chris Mannix survived or not? Yeah, that that was kind of the I I, I kind of felt like they both died, uh, which yeah. is not the same feeling I get at the end of the thing necessarily. So, but it's very the similarities are are very clear between the two films. Yeah, yeah very dark ending. Right. I loved the. I thought it, I don't know why, but I thought it was so touching the way he read the the Lincoln letter. And then talks about, you know, oh, Mary Tay, that's a that's a good touch. And he goes, thanks. Or he's like, I know whatever he said there. I thought it was just it just worked really well for that moment. And, and not just that, but then crumples the paper and throws yeah, it throws away. Throws it on kind of ground. Yeah. You know, yeah. like bloody hand. Don't right. care no more. You know, means yeah. nothing and crumples it. I'm like, ah, that's a nice touch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So any other final thoughts on. um well, let's do this. Final thoughts and your star rating for The Hateful Eight. Ash, let's start with you. I I really had high hopes for this one, uh, especially after Django. Yeah. Um, this is not one of my favorites from him. 
Uh, I mean, really, I mean, it has a lot of great moments. It's shot beautifully, but there's just like is there that one scene kind of just sucked all the wind out of it for me. Hmm. And, and it recovers it up by the end, but it's just it's like, uh, I don't know. It, it, I I don't know. That I I honestly I think I would give this one a, a three out of four, just just for that. It it, it just kind of that kind of killed it for me right there. Okay. Fair enough. Other than that, other than that, I mean, I love the dialogue. The characters were interesting, mm-hmm. you know, and and him trying to marry the western with the horror of the thing, it, it works for the most part. Yeah, but it's just it's I, I don't know. He made a little, a few choices. I think he could have done a little bit differently. Very good. And what about you, Mark? Um, after talking with you guys, my opinion has changed a bit. Um. You know, something we, we didn't talk about just on the last chapter was now uh, Chris Mannix, Walton Goggins, trying to uh, deal with Daisy Domergu. Yeah. I thought that, again, before her death was another excellent scene right. of them haggling with each other, you know, mm-hmm. um, talking bodies and money, but not, you know, oh, uh, yeah, that is not getting too greedy. Uh, like, just Walton Goggins, like, those two characters make the movie for me. I could do without Sam Jackson on in the second half, up until the, up until that blowjob story, I can I like this character. <laughs> yeah, like so I like the first two chapters of him, and then it just kind of goes downhill, you know. Right. Um. So if it wasn't for Walton and Jennifer in this film, it would probably be near the bottom of my favorite pile. Mm-hmm. But they are so they they are so strong. I would be watching this film just for them. Yeah. Um. So and after. After rewatching it again today, I was pretty high on the film. Then discussing the film with you guys, I kind of it kind of went down a notch just because mm-hmm. you know you're you're right that like I knew that blowjob scene wasn't good, mm-hmm. but I could I could see past it. Yeah, but no, I don't think I I can now after really talking out loud about it. <laughs> right. um, so I'm still gonna give it three stars because okay. I think it's a it's a great film with just one shitty scene. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so I, I still like it. I Again, I've seen it three times now. I have no problems watching it again. Um, it's just, yeah, that, that that one scene just doesn't do it for me. Right. All right. So, yeah, I you know, it it's one that I'm, I'm sure I'm going to appreciate more on repeat viewings. I just didn't have that opportunity this time around, and that's just the way it goes. Um, it it's, it's definitely, to me, a far cry from just the, the tour de force that is Django Unchained. Um, but it definitely still packs a punch to me. I mean, it it just feels like it's missing some of the oomph that uh, most of Tarantino's films have. And that's kind of what lost me a little bit. So I enjoyed it. I, I will definitely, definitely watch it again. But it's um, not at the top of my, of my list. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I'm going to give I it... I wonder... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm going to give it three out of four stars as well. I, I actually wonder if... If uh, after the script leaked online, if he went in and made changes to it, and he you know maybe doubting himself or not necessarily just kind of like, well, it's, this is going to have to be different, mm-hmm. uh, you know, have the same impact or something along those lines. I'm wondering if it, if that had any effect on it as well. Right. Yeah. Who knows? I, I, I don't know. I I didn't read much about the script being leaked just because I don't I, like reading about movies I want to see eventually. Yeah. So I, if there are any alterations made, I couldn't tell you what they are. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's actually a list of um, 
changes like scenes play out very differently people died in different orders stuff like oh, that oh really yeah um like he like expanded some parts they shrunk some parts he like changed like whole sections of dialogue around between the leak and what ended up in the film so okay i don't know it, yeah so i don't know with you know what what all that was you know yeah you know what i'm saying right yeah right. yeah i know what you mean and he probably felt yeah. like he had to change things to kind of keep it um a surprise when people would see it in theaters also maybe but at, yeah, at the that, same yeah. time, it's 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 not like the movie was leaked prematurely. Like, uh, uh, what what film was it recently that uh, was shown? Uh, like, Expendables three. You know, it's not like the movie, the finished film was really was leaked. It was mm-hmm. just a script, and scripts do go through changes during oh, the whole metamorphosis of the film. You know, every single day. Yeah. Um, so at least it was just like the 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 first script, or at least the first release script to the to the actors, and not the actual finished film. Right. Um. So yeah, I don't know if there'd be much much difference, you know, because who knows how the editor will edit the film at the end, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, who knows? But I don't know that whole side of filmmaking. I'm just I'm just a fan. So yeah. So the the big question now. Let's as soon as I find the damn piece of paper that has it written down, which I had it two seconds ago. There we are. So where does the hateful eight? So let's let's now that we're done talking about Tarantino, let's kind of rank his filmography here so mm-hmm. as of now mark you have inglorious bastards let me write this down for ease you have inglorious bastards uh i believe is django a i think it's pulp fiction and then django yeah i think so too my writing got messed up there and then you have kill bill and then reservoir dogs or i'm sorry kill bill two kill bill one and then Reservoir Dogs, and then Jackie Brown. So where does Hateful Eight fit into this list? Okay, drum roll. <laughs> okay, so uh, I'm going to I'm going to go uh, Inglourious Bastards. I'm going to go Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go Django Unchained. Then I'm going to squeeze in uh, Hateful Eight okay. between uh, Django Unchained and uh, Kill Bill Volume Two. Okay. Again, and it's and it's because of that, like that, that blowjob scene. Right. There's just no need. Well, yeah. The, the, yeah. To me, it just it kind of derailed the the film until the end of the chapter. Mm-hmm. So, Mark, your your list, your ranking mm-hmm. of Tarantino's filmography: Inglorious Bastards, number one; Pulp Fiction, number two; Django Unchained, number three; Hateful Eight, number four; Kill Bill, Volume Two. Number five, Kill Bill Volume One. I've lost my orders. And then Reservoir Dogs and, and uh, Jackie Brown. Yes. So, Ash, you have Django, Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs, Kill Bill One, Kill Bill Two, and Glorious Bastard, Jackie Brown, and Death Proof. Where would you fit in Hateful Eight? I would actually put it before Death Proof. Okay. So, your final order of things Django Unchained, Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs. Kill Bill 1, Kill Bill 2, Inglorious Bastards, Jackie Brown, Hateful Eight, and Death Proof. Yeah. Excellent. And so what am I going to put it? I'm going to put it, mine's going to be Django, I'm sorry, mine's going to be Pulp Fiction, Django Unchained, Inglorious Bastards, Kill Bill Volume 1, Jackie Brown, Death Proof, Hateful Eight. Reservoir Dogs, Kill Bill, Volume 2. 
Hmm. There we have. I like it. how we all have different lists. I know. Me too. Know. It makes me happy. <laughs> yeah. Because we all pretty much, I don't think we, any of, any of us, I think our lowest rating for the entire, entire Tarantino-thon was 3.0. Like, I don't think anybody went lower than a three-star rating on any of these, if I remember right. They're all strong films. They're just ranking due to necessity. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. Excellent. So that is Tarantino. Now let's finish up the, well, this Tarantino arc, I should say, by talking about the final episode of Black Mirror. All right, so we have Black Mirror Season 3, Episode 1, entitled White Christmas, directed by Carl Tibbetts and written by Charlie Booker, or Brooker, it is. There's B-R-O-O-K-E-R, I believe, but I always spell it wrong. So the synopsis here, in a remote snowy outpost, Matt and Potter share a Christmas meal together, swapping stories of their lives outside the cabin. So I was really, I, I thought this episode was really interesting right from the beginning. I was really drawn in just by the idea of kind of how your eyes are a camera, which is something they kind of dealt with in the past, uh, 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 you know, earlier, maybe mm-hmm. end of season one, beginning of season two. I think it had to be end of season one, where kind of your eye can act as a camera. I think that's just a really cool idea. Yeah. And the way it's used here is really interesting. Well, it's happening right now. Like Google uh, stopped with their whole glass thing, but they're working on uh, like a Google lens now, like a contact lens. Oh, wow. So so like in, in, in this episode, they're talking about implants, ocular implants, but Google is actually working on a Google lens uh, for your eyes. That is so, insane. Yeah. So it's, it's happening. It's just, you know, we're not there yet. And so, yeah, they're using this as a way, as like a dating service type of thing where they're helping guys pick up women at bars or wherever they happen to be and so literally telling him what to say and using like the psychology of how the the woman is responding mm-hmm. which i it's so interesting and it's like man this is a lot more uh detailed than i would ever expect a, a service like this to be and i don't know i just thought it was really interesting um, See, i didn't think it was necessarily a service okay as opposed to um, a bunch of friends got together to do this to help each other out to get laid. Oh, I think that yeah. was what I got out of it later. Okay. Yeah, it seems like all these guys were cruising for girls, and right. on the first guess, first date or whatever, uh, all these guys have each other look at what they're looking at. Right. Um. Yeah. So yeah, I don't think I thought at first it was dating service, but then when you got, or at least you know, like that movie Hitch with the Will Smith, where he helps guys, you know, meet girls. Right. But then when you saw all the other guys, you know, uh, watching in as well, I think it's just, I'm not sure if they were all friends, but it's just a group of guys that are into peeping each other's dates. Yeah, that that could absolutely be it. Um, and it, it still makes, you know, I, I, it's either way. It was just very interesting to me the way the way it went down. Um, one thing that struck me that I wrote down right in the beginning was the fact that um, I which one i think is i think this was potter potter was kind of the second guy right yeah that's rick spall okay. yeah that's not uh, john ham okay potter um notices the clock and i don't know why but something was interesting about that the fact that he hadn't seen the clock in five years was interesting to me and then obviously you know that comes into play later on but and just the fact that they, they were living together for five years at first i thought these guys were on a remote outpost you know, maybe yeah. in the Arctic or something, dealing with like ice breaking. I right. didn't think it was a prison. 
Yeah. Because the way that they say, like, yeah, didn't, you know, you don't speak to me is because maybe they're on, like, opposite shifts. So mm-hmm. they don't really, like, you know, they just don't hang together. Right, right. So that's how I got it. I didn't expect it to be, like, a, a prison motif. Yeah. And the, the way the the way the kind of the killing in the first half of this episode went down was so shocking to me. I just didn't expect it. Um, I thought that she was trying to fuck with him because she found, you know, realized that he was having people watch, but the girl that he's hitting on is just thinks that because he's, she sees him talking to himself. And so she thinks that he's like her and has voices in her head, which obviously she's really fucked up. And so then she poisons him. They watch it instead of doing something about it. They, like decide to just destroy the evidence which to me i guess also led me to believe that it was more of a service than a friend thing because i don't think if that was your friend you wouldn't i feel like how how would you just possibly leave him like that you know what i mean yeah well they did they do mention something later that uh that uh what they were doing was not legal oh okay oh okay i missed that part but as for the whole aspect with the girl being suicidal, yeah, that's something I totally saw coming a mile away. Did you? Unfortunately, yeah, okay. yeah. I see. I wasn't surprised with anything in this episode, mm-hmm. apart from well, later on with uh, with the child. Um, yeah, but yeah. but yeah, th- this I I didn't I I saw it coming mm-hmm. because she was so withdrawn and whatnot. Um, but them not report anything that you know i i thought it was more like he didn't want to get caught by his wife over not being caught by the police or he's right. more for, you know, upset about her wrath than the actual legal uh, aspect of it yeah that's what that's kind of what i got from it too um the the egg thing so i, mean, I think this episode out of all of them was just kind of made me think more than any of the other episodes i've seen in this series because the egg thing was just fucking fascinating to me the fact that they Plant a device in her head, in a, in, a, in a patient's head. Let it sit there for a week to kind of develop into this person. Have her memories, have her desires, everything. And then pull it out. And it's still just, it's code. It's not real. It's just code. But it thinks that it's real. And then he tortures it until... The submission. Exactly, until it submits. Yeah. It's like, what is, how is this right? How is, yeah. but is it wrong? It's just code, but at the same time, it thinks it's It's like it was just it's messed up with my mind. Yeah, it's like, man, yeah. can you imagine six months of not having to sleep and just waiting, waiting, waiting? But for yeah. you, it's only 10 minutes. Like, oh, yeah, that, that's messed up, right? It's just so weird, man. Give me something to do, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right. Um, and then at the same time, it's just they're using their own minds to like better their own lives. So is it wrong? But it's ah, uh, I don't know. It's it's just crazy to how uh, I think that's definitely a, a positive of this episode is just how well thought out this idea was that it made me think so hard about it. Well, this this episode of Black Mirror is exactly <laughs> what I thought I was hoping Black Mirror would be during its full run. Amen. You yep. know, like like this good, this like the dark side of tech. This was the dark side of tech. Yeah, absolutely. You know? So yeah, 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 yeah. This this and then the whole thing, you know, him being caught and then the you know, the wife leaving him, and then yeah. we go to uh, uh Potter's story. Oh yeah, the, the blocking thing. How messed up is that? And then you go into the Raf's rap story about blocking with his girl and and the um you know, so you know what happens that you know 
Uh, Potter talks about his relationship with this girl, uh, played by Janet Montgomery, who mm-hmm. apparently she's in a few things I've seen before. I thought she was dropped dead gorgeous. And she's a very recognizable, but them, I couldn't place you know, her. Yeah. And, and she was she's on Salem. That's that's where I, I, I remember the face is like she's in all the posters oh, or the ads. Oh, okay. Yeah. She's a Salem girl. Hmm. Yeah. Which I haven't watched yet. It's on my list to watch. Yeah. I, you know. I started watching it. Uh, I haven't finished what's on Netflix. Um, but I loved that show, what I'd watched of it. It was interesting. Hmm. I heard it's really good. Maybe that's one to watch next. Who knows? You know, if yeah. I decide to go wherever. Right. But um, yeah, I like the idea of, you know, like you find out, you know, first you think that her dad hates him. Yeah, that's what that's, I thought. Yeah. You know, but then we find out through the, the course of the second half, which is weird that this this show was split into six parts. I don't know if you guys got that. No. Like, didn't you have? Oh, so the episode I saw it on, mm-hmm. the copy, I watched it. it. It had like part one, end of part one, part two, end of part two. So this oh. episode was was divided into six parts. That's weird. On Netflix, it's it's not divided at all. It's just one episode. That's interesting. Huh. Um, yeah. So you'll you'll see through the second half of his story that uh, you know um, his girl gets pregnant. Right. She, he's a he's a bit of a drunken. When he's drunk, he's not really that cool. I guess like to start fighting yeah. and stuff. Yeah. So you know she gets pregnant. He wants a baby. She doesn't. She blocks him, then just disappears. Like, which I think is kind of awesome because then you can't reach them. You can't like, you can't. The only way to see them or that you know that they're around is if you just see their silhouette, which is a really cool special effect. I liked. Yeah, they did really good job with that. Yeah. Like it's weird that you know it's like they take the the ocular implant that they replace everybody's eyes, Mm -hmm. and it's like Facebook, Twitter, all in one. (laughs) Right. So you can just block them, and I love that. That's such a cool idea. Ah, but yeah. I hate it though. Like, uh, man, that's something that I just, it, I, like, especially the way in which it was used in this episode, mm-hmm. it's just so selfish and cruel and awful. Because, but on the other hand, on the other hand, though, it's it's somebody who's doing nothing but harassing you. Well, yeah, having that option to just go, you're done. Right. I don't even have to look at you, uh, and you can't look at me mm-hmm. ever. Ah. Uh, but it, I wonder uh, if they could uh, still physically touch wish, each other. Yeah, you can. I, mean, I would I assume think, so. But yeah. but even then, though, I think the cops would get involved, and then they have video record of it. So it's just like, right. oops. But the, I mean, so obviously we come, and, and the biggest word to me, obviously, was that it was not his daughter all along. It was the Asian man's daughter, which is that, just through me. Like, a, yeah. That was crazy. That and so well. instead of her approaching it and admitting her wrongdoing she blocks him and then essentially ruins his life leading up you know for the for the years because she just wouldn't tell him that it wasn't her his child like what a piece of shit yeah she she in a way she's the villain this one you know yeah yeah but you don't know that till the end right so well well well, no that's not true well no because you gotta look at it one or two ways yeah completely overdid it and freaked her shit out and then you got to wonder if he hadn't kept following her or trying to contact her or trying to go after this and that and everything else, if maybe she would have come clean later. But you know? did he deserve to get blocked and then she no. just ghost him? No, that's like he, I don't like think they she had, a, they had a fight, but yeah, it's just one argument. 
you and know? she was drunk. And the reason she did it was because she was embarrassed by her own wrongdoing. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think they're both a little bit to blame with that one. But I but don't the, know. And that's, and that's the thing about this technology story is that, you know, uh, nobody's speaking to each other anymore or, telling the, or really having a heartfelt conversation. It's much easier to block than to face your shame. Right. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know? So did you, were you guys able to guess the ending? Because I was. I was able to guess it like as soon as Potter started telling a story, I wrote down, this isn't real. He's trying to get him to confess something. That's my guess. This is all the hoax to get him to confess whatever it is. It's yeah. all real to him, but all code. I fucking bet you. And then it turns I, out I was right. I, yeah. I, I, well, I assumed that he was in his head. Yeah. And I, I didn't dawn on me that he was in an egg until after he pulled out. But it was just like, I, I knew as soon as he kept pushing him. Mm-hmm. To tell the story, I'm like, yeah, he's like a cop or something. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, something. I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't, I didn't catch that. No. I, I was surprised by that at the end. Okay. I thought they were, you know, they both did something wrong. Right. So I knew that, like, you know, he, uh, you know, uh, I knew they were in jail. Mm-hmm. I just didn't think that the other guy was wearing a wire. Gotcha. You know. Yep. So Yeah. The the pregnancy scene I thought was really incredible, just really well acted. It was very tense and just emotional. I thought that was really really well done scene. Mm-hmm. And just the fact you know, like he goes to see his daughter, or he thinks it's his daughter, mm-hmm. and then she's Asian. I'm like, I did not see that coming. <laughs> right? Yep. Well, like, that took the sale, the winner of my sales. I'm like, yeah. oh, you're kidding. Exactly. And then when he was sitting there saying, "I want to see my daughter," I was just like, "Oh boy, he snapped! Like something bad is about to happen." Yes. And then that's when he kills the grandfather or, you know. Which that I expected because that's where I thought the story was going. Right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, But it was so sad. The girl dying also. I mean, walking outside, not knowing any better. I mean, that was just heartbreaking. Um, Yeah. But I don't know. I was was really just – I really enjoyed this episode. I was really – I can't say I wasn't completely surprised by it. I was surprised by some elements of it. Um, Mm -hmm. but even having guessed the ending, I was still, you know, I still enjoyed the hell out of it. Um, but then by far it's the best episode of season three. No doubt. No doubt. (laughs) 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 Oh man. Um, and then at the very end, so he helps his, the police catch this guy, you know, he commits and then everybody is blocked to him and he's appears as a red blob. I mean, I think he got screwed over. I mean, that's a fate worse than prison because no one can see you. You can't see anything. Like, wh- how do you shop? Like, I don't, I just don't even get it. Well, yeah. The thing, well, you can still see food and stuff. You just can't see the people who give him the money, you know? Right. Like, but just yeah. the fact that he's also labeled as a sex offender for, for yes. the whole date thing. Yes. Exactly. And that people see him as a red blob. Right. Yep. Like, sure, we'll let him go. But how long are you going to survive? People yeah. see him as a red blob, they're going to attack you. I know people are know? staring at him looking, you know. Bad I thought I thought one guy was going to throw something at him. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'd rather be in jail than to be, uh, you know, right. blocked by everybody. Yeah, and then at the very end, a thousand years in a minute. <laughs> yeah, definitely an episode that touched on torture more than any I think we've seen. Well, I mean, the one, the other episode that I think of when I think about torture is the episode where it was uh, at the. A couple episodes back where she was, you know, put through not knowing what was going on and everyone was filming her and it was it turns out it was an amusement park that episode. That's a different form of torture. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. But so yeah, 
I mean, this one, I, it was just a real exercise of the mind to me. It really made me think. And uh, I think it was probably the best episode of the series. I mean, not probably. I mean, it was. It, it, and I'm glad that it ended on a high note. There was just so much to digest. But why couldn't the entire series have been this engaging and entertaining? Yeah. Um, I mean, Black Mirror to me overall was as hit and miss as he gets. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a handful of episodes worth watching that we've talked about. But I'd say... Half of them, maybe, because what there's seven episodes and probably half of them are worth watching. I agree. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, I'm going to give this episode four stars. I thought it was as good as it gets in terms of Black Mirror. Um, What do you guys give this episode and any final thoughts you have? Um, Mark, we'll start with you. Uh, Final thoughts. um, I think I've said all I need to say for this one. Uh, I thought it was great. Um, This is probably tying for me for best episode of the series. Because okay. I really dug that uh, the one about the again with the AI with the with the, the husband that dies, you know, with uh, Haley Cartwell. Or oh Kurt yeah, Wright. that's a great episode. Yeah, yeah, the season two opener. I guess uh, I thought those two, these two, were the strongest of the series. Again, love the pig fucking episode. Um, <laughs> I did not, <laughs> you know. And I also liked the the, the torture one we discussed about the amusement park. Those to mm. me are the four episodes I liked a lot. Right. Which means that there are three that were lesser than. Um, so I think in general, or well, for that episode, I'm going to give a four. But as for a series, um, I'm going to give it a two and a half out of four. Oh, yeah. I didn't give a series rating. I would definitely go with, um, I'd have to go with two out of four for my series overall rating. And what about yeah. you, Ash? Um, I would give the episode a four uh, easy. I was just, that just it blew me away. Uh, it just is like, wow. Uh, and I have to add the comment that the British are really, really screwed up for liking such dismal shit on Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> because it, it's like every time they do a Christmas show for Doctor Who or for anything, it is some of the most depressing shit I have ever watched. Really? And it's just, fascinating. yeah, it's just I like, agree with that. yeah, it's just like every time they do a Christmas special for a show, you know, it's going to just take your heart, rip it out and stomp on it. <laughs> and they're like, oh, by the way, we're going to set fire to it, too, just in case you had anything left. Merry you know, Christmas. And, yeah. Merry Christmas. <laughs> uh, and but yeah, uh, they did a great job with this. Uh, Ham was an excellent choice. Uh, he I love him. And he was the reason basically I got into Mad Men in the first place. Uh, yeah. and, and then, you know, the rest of the actors kind of, you know, sucked me in too, but Ham's performance for this, it, it, he manages to do the, I'm a nice guy. Uh, you know, you really want to get to know me. You want to talk to me. And then he slowly turns it back to where he is. I'm the interrogator now, but you're still talking to me because we're friends. Right. Mm. And, you know, he gets that down. Oh, beautiful performance from him. Um, so charismatic. He, oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, it, it just it worked. I think that that a lot of that this episode working so well for me is his performance. Um, but uh, overall, as far as the series goes, um, I, I think I like the episodes a little bit more than you guys. Um, yeah. uh, I'd probably give the series overall a three out of four. OK, uh, I think there I, 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 you know, there's a couple episodes I probably won't ever watch again, but there's a, right. a number of them. Uh, this one and the one with uh, Hallie Atwell, uh, I would absolutely watch again in a heartbeat. So mm-hmm. this one and which one? Uh, the one where they she uh, Hallie Atwell, uh, the one where she creates the sim 
husband. Oh, okay. Yeah, the one that Mark was talking about earlier, yeah. 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 Okay. Very good. So that is Black Mirror. That is Quentin Tarantino. And this is the Cinefessions podcast. I'm excited to get through another arc. And uh, I'm even more excited now to move on from Tarantino and move over to our criminally underrated arc. So again, next week, we will be discussing one hour photo. The following week will be Perfect Blue. And then following that will be My Science Project. And then the fourth week, episode 49, will be whichever film you guys decide you want to hear us talk about. So again, check out Cinefessions.com. On the side, there should be a poll. And in that poll will be the film Zodiac, The Last Starfighter, and Rock and Rule. And so out of those, you guys pick one and uh, put your vote in. And then whichever one has the most votes by the podcast that we do um, in the third week will be the episode, rather will be the film that we talk about in episode 49. All right, so make sure you guys check out Cinefessions.com. Make sure you respond to that poll so we know which film is going to be our last for the criminally underrated series. Check out Star Trek Essentials, which is now being posted twice a week, once on Tuesday, once on Thursday. And so once Ash uh, is finished with the original series, you were talking about moving on to uh, it would be Next Generation, right? Yes. Okay, excellent. I'm looking forward to that as well. So make sure you guys check those out. And like always, you can contact us at Cinefessions on Twitter, or you can email us contact at Cinefessions.com with any questions, comments, anything you'd like us to know about. We'd love to hear about it. All right. So thank you, gentlemen, for joining me tonight. And thank you for being with me every week during this Tarantino-thon. I had a hell of a good time. Um, Tarantino films are just a treat to watch. So thank you guys for joining me on that. My pleasure. It was awesome. Absolutely. And, and, a, and a huge thank you for you guys, the listeners, for taking a little time out of your day to listen to us. We really appreciate it. And uh, we'd love any feedback you have for us going into this next arc. So thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll catch you next time. Perfect. And that sound will now go into the vault. Never to be heard again. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs>